Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Urbane Legend, the internet, well, nay, the world's biggest internet uh, urban legend podcast uh, based on volume. Uh, I am uh, Chris Flynn and uh, Neil, I haven't uh, haven't given us uh, crazy back characters this week because we've both been very busy, so we're just kind of doing it loosey-goosey, aren't we? Yeah, just gonna just gonna play it around. I mean, what I'd say there, Chris, what's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm thinking, is there like a non-web based podcast type thing? I don't know. I suppose you could you maybe get, get a, a wax cylinder. You could carve it into that and put it in a glass. When bottle you go into town, there's people who are like, sink. you know, like people used to sell like mixtapes of them rapping. Yeah, but that's true. You could get podcasts like people kind of like giving them out in the street. And, Crazy uh, homeless people. They're like the original podcasters, aren't they? Yeah, in a way, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sort of, uh, Those um, two lads who sit outside Waitrose and scream abuse at everyone that they think's better than you know thinks that they think that they're better no, than them, which is everyone. That's us. That's us. That's yeah. us. I mean, I mean, they get a better audience than us. I'd say that. My my street podcasting name is the Brighton Bellend. Street <laughs> <laughs> casting. That's what they know me as. Yeah. Um. So, uh, how do you? How did you enjoy? Did you do anything for the coronation and stuff? You went and saw your family. Yeah, I went you? and saw family. So you know, went and watched all the. Uh, did you watch it? As a pageantry. Yeah, well, they, they were kind of, kind of queen and watching. Like, <laughs> Guts it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, it's kind of like, I. It's worth a watch. It's kind of like a bit mad. I mean, one Nick Cave was there as well. He thought the same thing. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, my favourite bit was I was I was quite looking forward to when they were going to all him up. But they, in the Nick Cave. Yeah, no, yeah, that's true actually. Um, yeah, they were going to all him up, but they hid him in a little mm. box. Little box, what? Like and people couldn't see what was going on. Well, like just on his head, like one getting of those, greased up. No, like no, literally like torch people, Marines or whatever, and fancy uniforms came out with these really elaborately like printed um, screens, and mm. they just hid him in like a little chamber. What, while the... Um, while him and a priest got... Well, got what, what, for God's eyes only, whatever was going on there. Fucking hell. Anointing, apparently, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that I was a bit of fun. I didn't see any of it. Have you heard, like, all of the sort of things about, you know, like Penny Moore holding up Carinous. the sword and all of this? Yeah, I mean, it just shows you how fucking shit the Conservative Party are and the people who they've put in charge, because... Penny Morden was able to carry a sword for a bit, and then they were saying, "Well, that could be our next prime minister." <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't completely humiliate her, or you know, completely alienate a lot of people. Yeah, she didn't, she didn't decapitate the king or anything. So you know, that puts a puts a number two in the pecking order in the party. Well, I like as well, do you know, because she was on like a reality TV um, diving show. She was so loads of people just did the obvious kind of like you know Excalibur Lady of the Lake thing, where it was. You know, sort of memes, ha, ha, memes of her <laughs> handing over the sword and then diving into the uh, football. That was all a, bit, a lot of fun. Oh, so much fun. Uh, but but I, I found it very fun that um, those people got arrested for thinking about protesting, maybe. Yeah. and locked Thought up. crimes. Yeah, thought crimes. That's that's nice, isn't it? It's nice that we've got that in the country now. Well, yeah, I like, no, I like the fact we're turning more rapidly into the Orwellian society. I was knew we'd become. I knew hmm. we could do it. Yeah, I spent the weekend tidying my flat because I had a flat inspection, Neil. That's pretty 
ran out of the blue. Um, and because I'm not meant to have my cats, yeah, so kind of or any joy or laughter, yeah, anything, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's like a. It's Does a he make of, sure that there's like a little, there's a few tear stains somewhere, so he knows he's charging <laughs> yeah, exactly. enough money. Yeah, exactly. And then also um, you can take them out your security deposit. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't be charged cleaning them out. Yeah, yeah got yeah, got again a humidifier to get rid of all your tears. Um, well, no, it was the agency that came round, um, but I managed to get rid of all the cat's stuff. Yeah, and clean the place. And then my cats, because of their nature, because they're quite nervous cats, like even for cats. Yeah, they um, they went and hid in drawers when people started coming in. So that was good of them. So yeah. I got away with it. Not drawers, no. When I say drawers, I don't mean my underwear. I mean the uh, wooden boxes on uh, rails that slide in and out of a larger wooden box. And people generally keep kind of uh, their clothes, bits of cloth in them. Or cats. They're quite, all cats. It's quite medieval, isn't it, keeping your, keeping clothes in wooden boxes? What are we doing, Neil? What are, we do, what are humans well, doing? That ain't broke, don't fix it. What are we, like, why... Why did we get rid of fur? Why don't we have fur anymore? It doesn't make any sense. That seems like an evolutionary mistake. Uh, it's kind of oh right, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, I, I thought you were doing like a um, a pro um, animal skin thing there. Um, no, no, yeah. As in, why why did we become hairless <laughs> apes? Yeah, because we get more sunburn and we also die of exposure in the cold, and then we have to learn stuff really complicated like weaving, right? So that we can put our put our cloths on. This isn't what the future should be, putting bits of cloth into the wooden boxes. You just want us all to evolve back into like gorillas or something. Well, I don't understand why we why we moved away from that, really. It doesn't seem like it has any particular benefit. But also, why are we still putting clothes in, folding up our colourful cloths all cut up and sewn and put in our little boxes? Why don't we have like pneumatic tubes, you know, like in the old uh, 1960s? Or something. Like the 1960s um, yeah. department stores. Well, I, so you, we used those for cash when I worked in a supermarket. They mm. vacuum tubes. Yeah. Very nice. Did you ever put your penis in it? <laughs> Gonna ask. Accidentally once. I say accidentally. Accidentally, yeah. Oh, I've done it again. It's, it's weird that you've shaved so that you could get a proper seal <laughs> if it's an accident. Yeah. Um, well, so, I know now, everything. So, um, what do people? So, when you think of our podcast, what do you think of? I think of tradition, standards, um, honor. <laughs> what? Do, yes. What, what do you think? These of? are all concepts, not the ones that I would associate with. Because uh, along those lines, um, this week I'm going to uh, read you a little tale about possibly the most haunted house in London, which is maybe Ooh. the most haunted city. Do you think it... What is the most haunted city? Paris? No. You'd think it would be the oldest one, wouldn't you? So I don't know. Would it be somewhere in China, maybe? The oldest city... The oldest continual cities are like Accra and um, Damascus. Yeah, I mean, you could be... Yeah, you could be out somewhere like... Um, yeah. I don't know. I think it would be one of those kind of ancient ancient cities. But how you, well, maybe you think, not. Because maybe, think, maybe it's about, you know, um, how many people are, are living there. That's it, isn't it? Um, so uh, how, how are you feeling about some ghostly goings on? 
I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about this because I think we did have we had a, a haunted house in Enfield, so I'm interested to see how it. Um, oh, that was the pol- poltergeist. That was a poltergeist, yeah. Yeah, this yeah, is more tradition. It wasn't being made up by a couple. This of is more traditional. Crying out for attention. Okay. Yeah, and then the Warrens came in and made money out of it. <laughs> what? A, what a, bless them! I like it. They've they've kicked off many a film franchise. To be fair to them. Any of them good? Nah, nah. So it's all about like I don't know what you call them. Um, James Wan movies, isn't it? Like Insidious. Mm. They've all got those kind of titles. Mm. Insidious, so, conspicuous. So uh, the first article I'm going to draw from mm. is uh, from a website called LondonOverlooked.com. Oh, okay. And the article is just written by the website. It doesn't have a. What's the actual? Name. What's the actual urban legend this this week? Is so it, it's London's most haunted. Something. So it's 50 Barclay Square. Okay. Haunted by sadness, or is 50 Barclay Square London's most ghost-ridden house? We'll soon find out. And I've noticed as well, listening back to some of the podcasts, that I've, I was becoming increasingly Cockney, or some of South London. Um, I think it's because oh, I've been wow. listening to Cockney podcasts. You know me, I'm like a sponge. Yeah. I just... I. I yeah, like a chameleon yeah. shapeshifter. So I'm gonna uh I'm gonna try and uh, be be more um speak more properly. If that's okay. Well Britannians are all basically mockneys anyway, to be honest with you. So well, I don't know if they're mockneys, it's just the um Well no, I have that kind of accent. accent. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, kind of South London accent. It's a bit South London anyway, isn't it? The Brighton accent, it's not that different. No, but I've always been rather well-spoken, so I shall try to go back to that for today's episode. Try, yeah, try and do a bit more RP. Yes. So. Class has joined up a little bit. Yeah, lovely. Oh, and um, London Overlook, at London Overlook, uh, is available on Twitter, should anyone wish to follow them. Oh, there you go. You can find out what stories they're, they're covering yes. currently. It takes so, a fancy one, I pop it and have a read. Yeah. Stop telling people what to do now. I'm not just advising them things that they can do. Stop if no one want, if they wanted your advice, I'd ask for it. Yeah, maybe they have. Maybe they've been. Maybe they've been. Or secretly coming to me in their droves. Really? Yeah. And secretly talking yeah. to the this cat knows here. what he's talking about. <laughs> he's, he's got the inside track on what's hip. That's how the that's how the Gen Z talking it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like some fifties. Hey, daddy O. You seem you seem like you ain't no yeah, jive turkey. Yeah, it's a jive talking cat. <laughs> right, so fifty Barclay Square would appear to be an unlikely. It feels like it should be some sort of rhyming slang, anyway. Barclay Square for a pair. Fair enough. I don't know if we can improve on that later on. I haven't got anything better. I'll be honest. Chair. <laughs> Why don't you just put your ass on the Barclay Square? Get out. <laughs> 50 Barclay Square would appear to be an unlikely location for the most haunted house in London. This elegant Mayfair townhouse on the west Mm. side of the square certainly does not look from the outside as if it was troubled by disturbed spirits. Uh, Mayfair being the uh, very almost, well, I mean, it's pretty much like Little Moscow at the moment, but I think it's yeah. pretty much like the most expensive, one of the most expensive places in the world to live for non UK people. Yeah, one surprise, man. I think, may I think that is the most expensive square on our Monopoly board. 
So <laughs> I've not played Monopoly for years. Yeah, there's Pall Mall and Mayfair. Mm. So, you know, no joke. Imagine oh, imagine what it's doing to the property prices of this haunting. Oh, I think. So, its reputation is probably connected to the popularity of haunted house stories in the 19th century newspapers. Mm. <laughs> they did like a bit of spiritualism back in the day, didn't they? They did. For which see my earlier piece on Stamford Street. With no television for a little evening entertainment, huge crowd would gather outside waiting to see if a ghost would appear. <laughs> oh my God, that's like where a, you going? I'll you know, go Barclay Squares. Well, the thing is, but, but back you know back in those days, at least the mediums had actually you know put a bit of effort and you know try and make stuff happen. I mean, you know, these honest, days you just you know you go and see one of these programs and it's like, oh, did I hear a sound there? The thing is, they'd be like, like coughing up ectoplasm and stuff. No TV, but on the other hand, opium freely available at pharmacists. Yeah. So, you know, Sweet. do that, stick on some marching band music, drift away. It's basic, I say. It's basic. Listen to someone playing Handel while off your face on smack. Um, it's an odd fact that hauntings and generally unpleasant events that were originally associated with other places in this part of London came to be attached to number 50. There were fictional stories in the newspapers and a popular novel set in Berkeley Square, which many took as a base, as based on fact. And this once run-down building gained a reputation that persisted to the present day. So you mean it, to say they were making up stories in newspapers even back then? Even back then, Neil. Well, just goes to show, doesn't it? Oh, don't never trust a journalist. Yeah. Um, it even appears as a venue for Charles Dickens' Ghost Club mission in the Assassin's Creed Syndicate video game, which is true. <laughs> I completed that last week because I played it and then got really bored of it and wasn't enjoying it about five years ago, and then went back and actually quite enjoyed it this time. Okay, I've not. I've got it on a. Computers. Mm-hmm. It's one of those ones that I bought in a sale and then you never bother getting around to. There's probably about like mm-hmm. 200 I've got like that. But um, yeah, if I'd known there was a Charles Dickens thing, that might have been a... Oh, yeah, and Charles Darwin, he's in it. Is he? Oh, I might have to give this a go. Yep, and uh, Graham Bell and yep. Florence Nightingale and uh, Queen Victoria, she's in it. You can do oh, some missions okay. for her. Yeah, all of the, all of the gang. Go. All of the top cats. So the supernatural beings associated with this most haunted of houses includes a ghostly child who wears a kilt. <laughs> I saw the story, goose. <laughs> a young woman who committed suicide and who appears as either brown or white mist. Okay. That's what happens if you commit suicide. Yeah, you turn into a brown mist. Turn into a brown mist. <laughs> And a young man who went mad and was locked in the attic. That's, that's, a, where, that's where you went back in those it. days, wasn't it? Yeah, in the attic. Started being a bit erratic. Attic time. Yeah, got got slight melancholia. Well, you know, you can't sort of like eat your soup without spilling it. Attic yeah. time. <laughs> attic time. Whereas if you, but if you're not erratic enough, basement time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> You've yeah. got to have the right, the fine right margins, level of erraticness. Yeah. Very fine margins. Uh, it's a very prescriptive age. Well, yeah. um, 
But the horror does not end there. And there are many who supposedly spent time in the house and came to a sticky end. A maid driven mad by the sight of an apparition died of fright a day later in hospital. <laughs> oh dear. A nobleman, a nobleman who spent the night in the house committed suicide four years later, unrelated. Well, he would have turned into a brown mist because he was a nobleman. Yes, he would have turned into a red puddle. Um, A young man engaged to be married to a daughter of the house died of fright like the maid. And a sailor who took refuge in what he believed was an empty house was chased to his death by a phantom. Quite a lot of killing. And the house high, I'd prove. The house was also home to an eccentric, eccentric, jilted recluse. That could be describing you now. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Chris. What's happening here is yeah, they're losing like a bit of your CV, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about that? But I also, you know, it feels like they're losing a bit of focus. You know, but they want to... too much. Yeah, they want to pick one of these and sort of like, you know, develop a through line. Well... Throwing a lot at it, that's all I'll say. Yeah, but, you know, if you throw enough shit, some of it sticks, you know what I mean? Yeah, well... So... And of course, I'm assuming that any of this actually happened. Neil, believe in these ghostly apparitions if you will. The fact remains that most of the people who supposedly saw them were fictitious or could not have had the opportunity to go inside the house. The only part of this story that seems to be true is that which concerns the reclusive eccentric mentioned above. His name was Thomas Myers. He lived at number 50, and his shadowy tale is that that I am about to tell. So basically, it was just some some uh, loner who lived at a house, and people made up a load of stories about how yeah, but names I were turning I into brown mist and stuff. I understand that, because I think everyone's neighbourhood had a house where... Presumably, there was like a shut-in, and it was like all overgrown and stuff, and they were yeah. probably a hoarder, and yeah, people used to say it was haunted. The tale begins with Myers' father, Thomas Myers of Appleby in Westmoreland, who, with the help of a wealthy and well-connected great-uncle, John Robertson, sailed to India at the tender age of 17 to join the East India Company. Wonderful company. Yes, yeah, very, uh, <laughs> very profitable. Very um, profitable. Had its own army. In in, in no way, uh, yeah, morally dubious and problematic ways of making money. Yeah. Well, we're getting back to it now. So don't worry. Um, described by his cousin Dorothy Wordsworth as a sensible man and very clever at business, mm. he went on to become uh, a. Con- uh, a competent, oh, sorry, a competent, a com, a competent general in Bengal. Okay, but it's spelled A C C O M P T A N T. So a competent general was apparently a, a rank or something. Rather, he was a competent general. Oh, right, he wasn't that. He was um, good at his job. He was just some sort. Of, yeah, don't know. Well, what well, yeah, apparently. I've not heard of that as a neither have I. That's euphemism. Why it confused it me? It's why it confused me. Maybe it's just a typo. Maybe it's a typo. Like many of his content what, on the internet. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like many of his contemporaries, they'd have spotted it, wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. 
uh, like many of his, I'm on the internet, making it look bad. My mum sent me a link to uh, an article the other day, and she was going, "Oh, is this is this AI?" Because she's a bit worried about AI. Okay. And I looked at the article, and I was like, "No, this is just like a really badly written article. <laughs> it's one of those ones where, as you scroll through, it counts as another page click. So it's like you know those horrible paragraphs at a time with the heading articles." Well, I mean, with half of the websites that are out there these days, because mm. they're not being written for passion, they're just like cheap cash grabs trying to get you to, you know, yeah, reload of adverts and stuff. I mean, they're probably, <laughs> AI is probably going to improve the standard, frankly. Yeah, could well be, couldn't it? Yeah, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of problems with AI, but uh, yeah. I can't see any, to be honest. I can't see any problems. Um, like many of his contemporaries, he had a relationship with a local woman and had at least one daughter with her. We know this because in 1795, Dorothy agreed to take charge of the child of his and wrote about the arrangement in her letters. So that's his, his sister took, okay. his, took his illegitimate child. Raised it, okay. However, we hear no more of the matter, and it may be that the child, who would have been three or four at the time, stayed with her mother. It may have also been the case that they were handsomely provided for by Myers, but somehow this does not seem very likely. Mm, I think he's making some assumptions there. Yeah, you don't know anything about this, Myers. Well, unless, like, we read on and it was like, yeah. <laughs> we shall see. So, by the time he was 36, Myers Sr. had made his fortune and returned to England. He was elected as a Member of Parliament for Harwich, and in 1802, he married 18-year-old Lady Mary Catherine Neville, the daughter of the second Earl of Abergavenny, okay. and the granddaughter of his patron, John Robinson. And I'm just I'm getting lost in the facts here, Chris. So right. this is the dad of the guy who's going to turn into the loner shutting. No, this is... Or is this the shutting? Is he going to his early days? Origin stories? Uh... Thomas uh, I think this is a dad. Yeah. Yeah. So this is yeah. I think I mean I I lost track as well. To this honest. is his origin story, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean we've started with about fifty five different types of ghouls and ghosts and then we yeah, just we're got just, into uh, a fairly just, pedestrian, just a pedestrian about story about the, the origins of some guy which of um the you know, East India Company and and yeah. um, British Empire. <laughs> so the marriage, which was regarded by, I mean, Mind the, you, if there's anything that's going to deserve a haunting, it's somebody who, yeah, it's profited from yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, no way surprised at the amount of gays and girls that have turned up. I have. But you know what, Neil? In some ways, and I'm telling, I'm just, I'm telling myself this as more than anyone else, really. Mm. You know, after our very loose coronation special, it's nice to have a proper story. <laughs> That's a proper boring story. <laughs> back, back to the, the good stuff. Uh, I need to start reading ahead. So these, uh, the marriage, which was regarded by the Neville family as a mesalliance, took place on the 20th of January 1802 at White House, a Robinson's country pile in Isleworth. White House gained fame or infamy as a mental asylum later in the 19th century. <laughs> That's good to know. Showing so, perhaps. Poor Lady Mary only lived to be 24. Hmm. By the time she died, she had given birth to two children. Hmm. 
The older was born in July 1803 and was baptised in St George's Hanover Square. Um, was the Thomas out of our Barclay Tail Square? So that was him. He, he was born and his mum was all dead and that. And the younger was a girl called Mary. So he's got a sister and yeah, dead mum died. Yeah. The children's father never remarried, served as a member of parliament for Yarmouth on the Isle of Wight between 1810 and 12, where he retired from public life. Subsequently, little is known about him other than he owned the house in Tillany Street in Mayfair and a property called Grey Hall in uh, Sybil, Hedgingham in Essex. He died in 1835 at the age of 71, was buried and recently opened Kendall Green Seminary. He left Thomas and Mary very wealthy. They were now in their 30s and are married, which in view of their society connections is surprising. Yeah. Mary lived what seemed to have been a former family home in Tilney Street to, with two or three servants. A living arrangement appeared quite modest when compared to that of her next-door neighbours, Mr and Mrs Reginald Brett, and their one-month-old son, who had nine living servants to care for them. As for Thomas... Right, come on, it's got to pick up. So, Thomas Meyer was even more of a cipher than his sister. He appears in the 1851 census as an annuitant, aged 46, lodging in Mayfair at 4 Chapel Street West, which is now Alfred Street, in a house owned by Anne Williams. There is no evidence that he paid land tax in London from 1835 until about 1859, which he would have done if he owned all these property. Right, this is boring. So what did he just inherit it? Is that what they're saying? I don't. I think he just. I think he just lived in like lodgings. <laughs> I mean, what's happened here is, and again, bait and switch. Mm. This guy started with a load of hauntings and all the rest of it, and then he got a lot into the financial affairs mm. or lack of of um, the Victorian era people. An interesting approach, but hey, yeah. Right, so uh, hopefully it'll start picking up now. If not, then I'm just going to bail on this and look at a, a different article. So uh, at this point of the story, 50 Burke Square had yet to acquire its notoriety. Oh, let's just see. Did I miss a bit above there? Uh... So he, the footlodgings, or he lived outside the capital. Then again, a relative by marriage, like Geoffrey Neville, described him as exceedingly eccentric to a degree that bordered on lunacy. Right, so it seems like he's a bit weird. Yeah. Can, can, I ask, can I ask his opinions on window tax? <laughs> Which makes you wonder if he was institutionalised during this period. So it could be that. So he could have been uh, at... at um, that's an asylum. So it basically looks like there's a period of time where he's kind of not, not yeah, around just, or something is what they're trying to say, but they can't yeah. substantiate why that is. Okay. I mean, it's, a, you know, it's, it's a very, very kind of uh, well-researched, but I would say too oh, well-researched. Yeah. I would say too well-researched. I so, think what we've done here, Chris, <laughs> is we've just, you know, we're, ex- we're expecting somebody else to have written our material for us. <laughs> Um, and we're getting kind of annoyed. <laughs> it's not really handed out as well as we like, which is, you know, must. But at this point in the story, 50 Park Square had yet to acquire its notoriety. For many years, it had been occupied by the Honourable Elizabeth Curzon, who died at age 91, whereupon Thomas Myers moved in. He remained there until his death in 1874. His odd habits, 
it was put about that he did not go outdoors for 20 years and that he slept by day and wandered the house by night certainly contributed to rumours of hauntings. He strangely absent from 1861-1871 censuses, both of which list only a single occupant. The sole entry for the 1861 is a servant in her early 40s, a Yorkshire woman called Eleanor Potter, while that for 1871, there is a cook in her early 70s who named a lies buried forever beneath the enumerator's illegible scrawl. So it could be that at the time of the census, the recluse's Thomas was in the house but did not want to declare himself. <laughs> Maybe it suited him, as it did Miss Angela Reed of Sanford Street. The people thought that the house was haunted. That would at least be one way of getting others to leave him a fucking loan. Just I then, you know, yeah, it just sounds... Sounds like he's um, not very social. Yeah, fair enough. I think, I mean, I you know, I don't mind staying in, but I think 20 years would probably be quite... It's a bit much. Yeah, I need to go to the shop on that. I mean, the whole, uh, you know... Vitamins. <laughs> yeah, well, get out the yeah. By then, the house had become decidedly shabby, which must have annoyed his illustrious neighbours. What's more, as Thomas had stopped paying his taxes, so much so that in 1873, the tax collector for the parish was George Hanover Square, whose name was Knox, was forced to apply to the magistrates for a warrant of distress against his goods. He was not poor, but he was certainly eccentric, a point made by newspaper reports in the Barclay Square hauntings. And at his death in 1874... He had left his sister lease on the house that was dirty and neglected. She had a comfortable home of her own and 50 Barclay Square stood empty until 1884 when the lease ran out and the house was bought by Lord and Lady Selgirk. So, I mean, well, I think, no, so they're saying he's really eccentric. But, um, I mean, it just sounds like he was he didn't really care about how his house looked. Yeah, <laughs> no, was maybe a bit of an introverted child. I mean... I'm wondering, kind of like, because you know, he inherited money, probably never yeah. had to work a day in his life. Yeah. Never really made anything of himself. Yeah. yeah. Who knows what kind of mental illnesses he might have had. Don't want to speculate on that, you know, but... I mean, you can. He's dead. Possible. No, no, I just mean it's not, you know, I don't think it's good to speculate on things that people may or may not have. Um, I mean, yeah. Or not, I think... Not, not from I, his perspective, just generally. I think that's not... A, I, I, I just... Sure. I, just, I disagree, and I'm going to diagnose him as being demisexual. Fair enough. So, interestingly, supernatural goings-on continued to grow. In 1876, newspaper article claimed that the London Association of Spiritualists would like to exorcise the ghosts that had supposedly haunted the house for 50 years, although there was no evidence that they actually did. Stories about Thomas also began to surface. In I mean, maybe the... this is why he knew his house was full of like, hauntings and he didn't want to let them out. That's why he couldn't sleep as well, so he's up night. Mm. In one of these, he had leased and furnished a house over 50 years previously in order to prepare for a marriage that never took place. Mm. Only days before the ceremony, his unfeeling and unnamed fiancé jilted him. Then he became recluse and he lived with two or three crusty servants. Oh, there you go, see, broken heart. Yeah, as a male version of Miss Havisham. Um, right, so I think I'm not going to read any more from that uh, yeah, article. Yeah, kind of hoping me. more sort of like, I don't know, things start spinning around in the walls or something. Yeah, so from my, London, from my London, Ellie McKinnell 
it's a much more tabloid looking yeah. uh, thing. So probably Let's get to one that's just full of mass speculation and stuff like yeah, that. Beautiful. Bit of, bit of fun, pure but, stuff. In the heart of Mayfair is a townhouse that looks much like the other beautiful buildings around, currently home to an antique bookseller. Mags Brothers, and formerly home to Prime Minister George Canning, the Grand Flory building has a dark secret. Yeah. 50 Berkeley Square is one of London's most notorious haunted houses, with three men dying from fright and one going, one woman going insane, only to die the next day. The house was home to a couple of people, but in 1859, Thomas Myers moved in. This is where the mysterious event started. So, Miss. So Myers was soon to be married, so this is when they do the furniture bit. Yeah. He's said to have uh, locked himself away in the attic, only leaving the room by flickering candle at night until he went mad and died. So, headline, don't let it touch me. A series of people who have stayed in the same attic have experienced a strange brown mist. <laughs> Maybe they just had like a tinned pie. Yeah. Um, a maid was sent up to the room to make a bed for a visiting man, but no sooner had she gone upstairs did she let out a blood-curdling scream. The household rushed up to her aid and found her collapsed on the floor, muttering to herself, Don't let it touch me. She died in hospital the next day. Oh, uh, how'd you explain that? The man... Yeah. Captain Kentfield decided to still spend a night in the room and after 30 minutes, and 30 minutes after heading to bed, there was a terrible scream and the sound of a gunshot. He was found dead on the floor, his face twisted with terror. That's quite good. You can actually, you can do tours around this place now. Oh, really? They're probably yeah. up as kind of like a, uh, yeah. Yeah. These it, things definitely happened. I think it's probably owned, I think it's owned by like London Dungeon or something. Uh, another man, Lord uh, Littleton, stayed the night in the attic armed with a shotgun. I'm just thinking about the kind of person who has to do that tour. Because really, you're just well, you're just being shown around a Mayfair townhouse. This is going to be nothing. And you're really going to have to pile it on thick. And yeah. here's the room with the brown emerged. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in some ways, we're kind of... We're almost... We're almost doing that with this podcast because the yeah. first one was just quite a boring story about land tax. <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a bloke who let the lease yeah, go on his house. Yeah. Still a bit of a disappointing life, didn't really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so, a true horror, isn't it? Neil, very much like yourself, he uh, he went to bed with a shotgun. Yeah. Well, you never in, know. Be in prepared. the... Yeah, it's best to be. They taught me in the scouts when I listened. I may have interpreted it in a way that they wouldn't, you know, well, approve of. Hey. I would suggest that any uh, young boy in the scouts should uh, go into his sleeping bag with a shotgun, to be honest. How, how else are you going to win your shot, shotgun merit badge? Well, how else are you? How else are you going to fend off? <laughs> you also give you a chance to, you know, practice first aid potentially and other things. Hmm. Things do go wrong. So, in the night, he saw an apparition coming towards him and he fired at it. Later claiming that something fell to the floor, like a rocket. But the next morning, he couldn't find anything but the shotgun cartridges. Having a bit of a dreamy shoot-shoots. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. <clears throat> One of the most well stories about the haunting of 50 Berkeley Square is a tale of two sailors who broke in, needing a place to stay. 
Or like did they, the they pick the wrong place? <laughs> I mean, they're probably not going to go somewhere up market, are they? No. You know, they're, you're going to go somewhere in the east. Down the docks. Because that's, I mean, A, that's where you're going to be, sort of probably, yeah, you're probably going to be showing up somewhere near the docks somewhere and a bit like that. And, yeah, just go and stay in some kit. It's a bit of a walk if they were, yeah. if there were sailors coming into the docks. Rather than well, they probably got one of them hop on hop off buses, didn't they? But yeah, dodge the fare. <laughs> they probably used a Boris bike or yeah. one of the one of the. They probably just got there on an e scooter. Yeah. So bedding down in the attic, they were awoken at night to the sound of footsteps coming up the stairs. As the door creaked open, they came face to face with a strange, shapeless creature with the huge gaping mouth, which seemed to slither into the room. Mm-hmm. Seized with panic, the two men tried to make their escape. One backed up towards the window while the other rushed past the creature and made his way down the staircase to safety of the street. The escaped man returned with a police officer, only to find a smashed window. Looking out of the window, they saw the lifeless body of the sailor's friend impaled on the iron railings below. Oh. In a book by Charles what Harper... What were you doing in this house? <laughs> having a kip. In a book by Charles Harper titled Haunted Houses, he describes another case of a man dying from fear. The man was sceptical of the rumours of the haunting, so decided to spend the night in the attic himself, the fool. Oh, you never do that. Before going to bed, he told the household that he would ring a bell in the night if he needed help. Just after midnight, the bell began to ring furiously and he was found in convulsions of absolute terror. Died soon after. That'll happen. While many believe the house is haunted by Mr Myers, some legends also tell that the attic is haunted by the spirit of a young woman who killed herself jumping out of the top floor window after being abused by her uncle. It's a nice little... Nice ending there. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. So all, all the action seems to be happening in the attic, though. Yeah, it's an attic based haunting. Yeah. It's a bit like, was it that Matatusa house, was it? We, um... Matasuta, it was all on the first floor. Yeah. I do like or... a localised haunting. Uh, I mean, be honest with you, if you're going to break in, just stay on the ground floor, you'll be fine. So the sailors were from HMS Penelope, apparently. Mm. It's an interesting little uh, little bit of... Um, Is that a name I should be familiar with? Yeah, it was a it was a central battery ironclad built by the Royal Navy in the late 1860s. Oh, of it course, It was rated yeah. as an armoured corvette, Neil. Yeah. Didn't you know that? Did you learn nothing at the War yeah, Museum? Yeah, gunner, yeah. She was assigned for inshore work uh, with a shallow draft. And uh, this severely compromised Bluff blouse and a lively. Well, yeah. it's a, as you as you Neil, as as you could have told them, it you know the shallow draft severely compromised her performance under sail. Well, yeah, I bet she was a bit, you know. Yeah, and uh, and uh, in eighteen sixty eight, the ship uh, uh, was completed. Then she spent the next year with the Channel Fleet before she was assigned to the First Reserve Squad. Then in eighteen sixty nine, and became a Coast Guard ship for Harwich till eighteen eighty seven. Mobilised during the tensions with Russia, rose during the Russo-Turkish War of eighteen seventy-seven, and participated in the bombardment of Alexandria during the Anglo-Egyptian War of eighteen eighty-two. 
And the ship became a receiving ship in South Africa in 1888 and then a prison hulk in uh, 1897. She was stolen for scrap in, I don't need to tell you now, but in uh, 1912. No, absolutely. I know that was was for the listeners. You obviously knew all that because you're very, very into it. I have almost like a photographic memory for any nautical facts. When it comes to to the Royal Navy. Tell me me nothing about (laughs) reefing and splicing and all that. Yeah, exactly. That's the cut of your jib. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how many terms we do take, like from the navy. Yeah, poop deck. Yeah, poop deck. Jib of my timbers. <laughs> I can't think of any now, but um, <laughs> yeah, we'll batten down the hatches. Um, yeah, yeah. Port side. Yeah. Starboard. Slice the main brakes. <laughs> Use that a lot. Voice the mainsail. Yeah, three sheets to the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, whippersnapper. Yeah, it is amazing, isn't it? Um, but I'll be honest, there isn't much more. I thought there was going to be more about Berkeley Square, to be honest. But that's that's a considering it's meant to be the most haunted place in London. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's haunted by bullshit. By the sound of it, I mean. It, so, I mean, what I'm taking from this mm. is that. Um, I mean, so I guess, you know, quite often we complain that people aren't making enough money out of whatever the phenomenon is. Yes. But we were quite pleased, I think, with the Rougarou. They were actually a little festival, a little bit of fun, and they just enjoy it and lean into it. Yeah. You know, promotes tourism in the town. So we were like, this feels very much to me like, you know, whoever's making money out of this or, you know, they've lent into that a little bit too heavily without too much to back it up, if you like. Yeah, and there was there was a TV series called Berkeley Square, but I don't think it was about the haunted house. It was about it was about three Edwardian nannies. So that sounds terrible. <laughs> you never know. It'd be funny if it was like the best show on TV, wouldn't it? Bloody hell, this is the new Deadwood. <laughs> the new Deadwood. Um, I so know it sounds really boring, but honestly, you've got to watch you've it. Got to watch really it. Gripping. God, just I mean, like a it's... real look into the socio-economic circumstance. It's, you know, <laughs> it's the a group of nannies would be, you know, yeah, just tells you so much about your life and really made me think about things. Um, so there are... Um, so un- un- unusually, there isn't... Um, in the Wikipedia bit, there isn't anything about uh, if it's been on media and that kind of yeah, stuff. I, mean, I think we can assume it's not been on an episode of Supernatural. Or whatever yeah, no, no. Wouldn't come to... Would you care? There's a, there's a BBC4 radio drama called 50 Berkeley Square. And I think that's about it. So uh, I'm going to say let's go through a scoring system. It's just going to be a slightly shorter episode this week, I'm afraid. No, fair enough. I'm just having a quick look. Well, um, I mean, last, last week's was intolerably long, so yeah. it balances out. <laughs> I I had some feedback. It was quite enjoyable. So did you? Was that from me? People thought it was fun. Yeah. No. no. Who gave you feedback? Your friends. Why don't you share any of this with me? I'm sitting here. Well, the first time we've talked, and we're on mic. So. You can send me messages. I'll, uh, I'll 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 let you know. I just, I just if, and and of course, if you enjoyed our coronation special, uh, please leave a, a comment and subscribe or something um, because. We are starting to wonder if it's just bots that listen to us. <laughs> I mean, that would make sense. It would make absolute sense. This is an absolute self-made Skinner box. 
<laughs> <laughs> Who, who's examining it? I mean, that was the point I was going to make about this one, actually. It's kind of like, who's... like who's Because you said that there were people doing tours, so it's like, who's making the money out of them? Out of this? Well, I don't even think there's that much money to be made, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so the dungeons. I'm expecting when you sort of said it was like you know there've been loads of penny dreadfuls written about it and all that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? It just looks like people have made up a load of dumb stories. And... So uh, from the London, so the London Dungeon for people have been is like a, a sort of spooky museum in London, but it's kind of people all dressed up and jump out at you and shit. Yeah, it's good if you're, uh, you know, at the start of an acting career, good place for you. you I know some shops. people have done it, yeah. <laughs> I think Matt Berry um, did London Dungeon, didn't he? Did he? Not way back when. Um, but yeah, it's I've, years and years since I've been there, but it's quite I've good I've never fun. been in, never been there. Yeah, they did, yeah, it's a lot of kind of like, it's it's kind of fun for, if, you know, one of those kids who like sort of like things that are, it's not, you know, quite a bit hammer horror, really, is what I'd say. It, I mean, I don't know what it's like these days. I probably went back in the So I think it might, I think it might actually just be done. I think they just did it as a Halloween thing. It, they just did a it's set. Like just a one-off thing where they, they did yeah. a set within uh, the London Dungeon. It wasn't actually in the building. 50 Barclay Square Halloween show 2022. Will you survive the night? This Halloween, will you dare step into the attic of the most haunted house in England, 50 Berkeley Square? Mystery, murder, and madness surrounds the terrifying legend of this property with countless lives lost. As the stories of these fateful souls play out in front of your eyes, just one question remains. Will you survive the night? This is a limited-run show, which is included in your standard entry to London Dungeons. We strongly advise you pre-book your tickets to guarantee your el- your entry. We will sell out. So yeah, they just did like a, a set, a set, and told stories, told ghost stories. Do you reckon oh, they no. just they had, they had like a set knocking around that looked like a bit of a townhouse? They're like, oh, we can turn this into one about fifty Berkeley Square. Well, it's, it's the attic as well. It? It's, it's the attic, so they just had like some old boxes. Yeah, <laughs> it's all made out of like old old Kellogg's old boxes. Like, boxes. Like, like an un- un- unused exercise bike, <laughs> a unicycle. I'm just looking up as well that Elliot O'Donnell, who was a chap who made up the story about the sailors, was an mm. English author known primarily for his books about ghosts. Claimed to have seen a ghost, describes an elemental figure covered with spots when he was five years old. And he also with claimed spots. to have been strangled by a mysterious phantom in Dublin. However, no permanent effects seem to have been suffered. Irish woman. So, yeah, an Irish ghost tried to strangle him. But, uh, Will you start going on about fecking ghosts? I think, I think he was, yeah, and he was descended from Irish chief in the ancient times, including Neil of the Nine Hostages, apparently, and Red Hugh. There you go. Absolutely no way that he can prove that. Nope. Nobody <laughs> can disprove it either. So, uh, uh, yeah. Right, let's go well, through. It's a tall tale by the sound of it. Let's go through our scoring yeah, system. Scoring system. Yes. Uh, so, spookiness, Neil. Ten. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna do eighty this week. Um, <laughs> kind of bug standard ones, don't I? I mean, I'm not going to give it nothing because they, they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like you know, sailor getting impaled onto a. I mean, that's almost a bit of a comedy one as well. So, <laughs> I mean, because the thing as well, of the two of them, when you were describing it, and it's like one head to the window, one dodges past the ghost and goes down the stairs. Definitely go down the stairs. I mean. 
yeah. where you're going from the window, really. No, he's too scared. He this uh, flight or fright, isn't it? Or yeah, see, yeah, he's, he's backed up from the ghost. That's what you want to do. Re- you charge him, you know. Charge him, give him a little rugby sidestep. Like, like bullies, all ghosts are secretly cowards. <laughs> well, they've got what it takes. Well, they were all um, all ghosts were bullied themselves, weren't they? They were haunted. Yeah. All ghosts, all ghosts were haunted themselves. Yeah, in, when they were younger, hurt people, hurt people. Neil, exactly. I'm say on the matter. Indeed, um, whether undead or not. Um, Can't what my point was. Not completely odd. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, there's kind of like some, there's a lot of potentially spooky stuff in here, but there's just a lot of it, and it's very surface thin, so it doesn't really mm. scare you that much. So I'll, I'll give it a four. I'm being slightly generous there, I think. But. Four, okay, cool. Um, so I can understand the spookiness of it being kind of a dilapidated house and like there being lights on at weird times and that kind of stuff, because... Townhouse in Mayfair, though. I mean, now. Yeah, simpler times, though, now. Simpler times. I mean, because we used to, you know, I we used to spook ourselves out kind of, at, you know, the dilapid, like I was saying earlier about, like, there'd be a local kind of house which was all dilapidated and stuff, and you used to spook yourself out as a kid. And I consider people from the past to have the brains of children. Fair so enough. I consider <laughs> they were, had the brains of children uh, and were off their faces on opium. So I'm sure it was pretty spooky for them. Uh, and then obviously the the rags, the tabloids have kind of started putting loads of scary tales and stuff in there. Um, I don't know if you heard it all. I think it'd be quite scary. You wouldn't want to necessarily sleep in the attic, would you? Um, I think the th- for a bet though. Go yeah, on. I mean, I, I mean, I'd personally be fine sleeping in the attic because I think it's all bollocks. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's it's what happens. That is Wake up happens. screaming. Exactly. Some. Some big mouth southerner. Um, I don't know. It's got some. I think the thing is that the sailors see something weird, kind of slithery, and that kind of thing. I've seen a picture of of that kind of on a different website. I couldn't find it mm. uh, today, but and it looked kind of like it had like tentacles and stuff. Oh, okay. But I don't know if that was just some an artist's interpretation or whatever. But it had that kind of Cthulhu thing going on, the slippery yeah. lad. Um, but that's just to say the one. The thing is, like, it's difficult to know what to be spooked about because yeah. no one ever a brown mist. Brown mist. I mean, I've been to I've been to um, football matches, soccer matches, so, and brown mist because of all the booze and pies that, yeah, that yeah, horrible cup, men cup of there. Or one of those. Yeah, all the horrible men have at football matches. There's plenty of brown mist around. One of the reasons why I'm a sofa fan these days. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to give it a 6 nil because of the stuff that I said last. Um, yeah. Believability. Uh, so I believe that, I mean, this, I mean, very much, we've gone through the land records, <laughs> what the, the guy has. And so the house um, exists. Somebody lived there. I mean, yeah, the house exists. And a guy lived there, and he sounds like he was uh, potentially had some. Uh, well, I mean, mental issues, perhaps, or perhaps he just wasn't very social. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he he wasn't he wasn't a standard man, I guess no. you would say. Um, so that's all true, and but uh, so yeah, I mean, it's got that gives it some believability. Um, Regarding all the other stuff, it does very much seem like these are just 
stories that people attach to the house. So I'm going to go straight to the middle and give it a five because the house exists and the bloke existed. Yeah, I'm going to have to go lower, I think, because... You don't believe the house exists? Well, no, a house exists doesn't mean that the house is haunted, does it? That's the point. Um, So I think the believability here is do we believe it was haunted or not? And normally where we cut cut through on this is, well, obviously we don't necessarily believe that such and such a thing happened or such and such things exist, but could someone else believe it or in the right light or if it's three o'clock? That's how you choose to score it. That isn't how I choose to. Fair enough. You you go your own way. Um, But no, for me, like all of the people who've written these articles, they don't seem to believe it. All of the people writing it seem to, you know, they're just like storytellers or they've got some, you know, some other motivation to make stuff up. So it doesn't even feel like anyone actually believes what it is that they're saying here. Um, so yes, it's a real house and it exists. Yes, a person lived there who you know did some things that. Totally. You know, I'll I'll give it a three on the basis that because he was up all night and he sort of spoke to his neighbours because he was probably a bit of a hoarder and kind of like was a bit erratic. That probably might have influenced some of the legends that came afterwards. But yeah, nobody seems to actually believe in the you know brown mist or the sailors and all the rest of it. All seem to have been made up later on. So. I don't think they're inherently believable. So, yeah, three for me. Fair enough. Uh, narrative premise, Neil? Okay, this is one of those ones where, I mean, she's the haunted house, isn't it? So, and there's a lot of other stuff. Let's get the Warrens involved. Don't yeah, we need, we need to Warren involved get the franchise. Um, and it's not like, you know, the Enfield hauntings, at least and you've got a couple of kids, so there's there's something there you can... Yeah, there's not... I mean, it's just a bit generic. There's not... Yeah. It's not a lot. Um, you got to remember, it's quite old as well. It is, but, you know, I mean, we, we talked about that one where somebody was like, you know, a monster made a hair on a one back in the day and stuff like that. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, you know, you can, you can do something a bit more imaginative. You know, I mean, none of this I'll probably remember after I record this podcast. It's not... But for, for the I mean, most but haunted the, be, house in the country... To be fair, that's true of every podcast we do. Yeah, that's true, and and, <laughs> and, and, and various other things. And conversation. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's just it's too generic. I'm afraid it, it's considering it's the most haunted house in the most haunted house with in the number. country. Yeah, I'll give it a three again. I think I'm three. Yeah, um, so I mean, there's lots of different stories, but they're all much of a muchness of something happening, which no one's really sure what, and then the person. Killing themselves or dying of fright. Turning into brown mist. Oh yeah. Well, well that's the maybe. one I do like actually. That's that's well, where like I, the, that's where I'd hook on to. I like the sailor ones where there's a where there's a, a slithering big mouth monster thing because at least there's something tangible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. It's um it's pretty boring fare to be honest. Uh, all told, um, unless you're into tax records, in which case fill your boots. Yeah, um, but as you know, I'm not allowed near stories about tax records anymore because I end up staying up for nights on ends, sort of yeah. reading, 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 like in a manic, in yeah. a manic state, a few, a, it's muttering to yourself, a, fu- a fuge state, a fugue state, fugue state, <laughs> fugue state, reading, reading stories about tax records. I, I, I just can't start anymore. I broke my off button when it comes to them. Um, Spawn 22x32. <laughs> Got it was misfiled. It was red- misfiled. <laughs> Banging my head against the wall. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it a three as well, Neil. Fair enough. So, uh, Reach. So, I mean, like, 
I mean, it's, there's loads of website stuff about it. People, they keep saying it's the most haunted house in London. But is it? <laughs> or, is that, or is it the way that Robert is the most haunted doll in the world? You know, who's who's saying it? Is it people have got some, you know, uh, I don't know. Like, um, At least he's in a museum. You know. I mean, these stories have been going on for, you know, Couple hundred years, hundred and fifty years, whatever. So I mean, it's got a decent reach through time. Um, I'm surprised it hasn't been in more media stuff, to be honest. And I doubt. I mean, it's in Assassin's Creed, fair enough, but I doubt anyone else would have heard of it. I doubt that a lot of people in London have heard of it. Yeah, so heard of it. I'm giving it a three. Yeah, probably similar. I mean, the one thing, if it's been in Assassin's Creed, well, that's interesting, but. Um... Yeah, I've never heard of it. It doesn't. I mean, obviously, it will, it'll stay around to a certain extent because you know what happens. Around. You do like some investigating, then you find the bloke in a hidden room in the attic, and you just assassinate him. Nice. <laughs> what is Assassin's Creed? What are you expected? You don't. You don't let him explain or anything. <laughs> they not do that thing. I've. Do you know? I. I think I only played the first couple, but. In the first, well, where they part, have a chat with them, yeah, exactly. Where he, as he's assassinated, no, they do like a big monologue. No, it's they, a little, they cut that out. No, they still do that with the sort of main things. This, this is like so, this is like a side mission thing. Oh, okay. So yeah, he doesn't do like a big monologue to tell you about what's going on. That's no, not with him. Oh well. Um, right, where was I? Um, I'll reach. Yeah. So yeah, I ugh. yeah, other than that, it doesn't, yeah, I mean, as you say. It, on lots of websites and stuff, but I think just I mean, that's the nature of the copy and paste way that the internet seems to work these days. Um, right, Granddad. <laughs> used to be good, Chris. Um, yeah, no, three for me as well, I think. So that gives us an overall score of 30, which, you know, is okay. Um, it's fine. You know, it started promisingly. But yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot better. quite superficial. At some point, we were going to have to do it, so it's out of the way now, because we can't have the... Can't not investigate the most haunted house. Most haunted yeah. house in London, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, that has to be. Um, and it turns out that it's crap. Yeah. But there we go. They can't all be um, boo hags. Um, right. So uh, if you want to give us an email or something, I know you don't, but uh, welcome to at herb.legends.podcast at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, so sorry that wasn't exciting as I was hoping it was going to be, but there you go. You know, you win some, you lose some. It's a podcast, isn't it? You've done 100 yeah. of them. Hey, listen to the Coronation Special. There's more to that. Or one of the other nearly 100 that we've done, not including all the extras. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I apologize, but half heartedly. Um, but I yeah, don't so, take care. <laughs> Neil doesn't care less. Um, got what you're paid for. <laughs> so, um, Enjoy your week, and uh, we will be back next week, and I hope everything's good for you. Um, we do appreciate your listens, even if you are the world's most uh, silent, silent um, well, listenership. You know, if, if you happen to be a show, you know, like haunting the mm. attic of a townhouse in Mayfair, you know, maybe listen to some podcasts. Yeah, why not, eh? Something to do, innit? While you're... Cool. Uh, Right, uh, guys and gals and others, we will be back same time next week, and I hope you have a uh, pleasant journey. Goodbye. Goodbye.